0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Years ago, I came outside a nightclub. Um, I was a police officer who was off duty and um, I was surrounded suddenly by a few guys, and one of them started to ask me something, uh, a question about, I think I'd actually been pointed out by somebody as being an off-duty policeman. And while I'm talking to him and trying to calm him down, suddenly, boom, from this side came a punch. And then from, oof, came here, something else. The next thing is I'm on the floor surrounded. Way too many enemies for me to be able to deal with. And um, today we're gonna look at, in the book of James, as we continue our study, three enemies that can, attack us all at once now just previously james has been talking about peace in the previous chapter if you were with us in this series know that he talked about the wisdom that comes from above the wisdom that comes from god and how that leads to peace and how he, he, he contrasted that wisdom from god with what often we think of as wisdom which is simply information knowledge he talks about how that can lead to pride and arrogance and jealousy and in the end cause our downfall And he finishes chapter three by by saying this, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness, or they reap a harvest of righteousness. He's saying a life of wisdom in the end is going to lead to peace. But then as we turn the page, he's going to talk about war. So this is like war and peace, but hopefully the sermon won't be as long as that. Three deadly enemies he's going to talk about on the battlegrounds that we find ourselves in, constantly in life when i led in the anglican church um, when baptisms take place as the baptized person is marked with the water with the the sign of the cross a charge was given a commission if you if you like the whole church would join in to say these words they we would all say together fight valiantly as a disciple of christ against sin the world and the devil and Remain faithful to Christ to the end of your life. That's powerful language. They would even use it um, when they were baptising babies uh, with those challenging, sometimes you know, even scary kind of words. And in 2014, the service was modernised and they took out the references to the devil and even to repenting of sin. But you know what? I kind of prefer the old words because they show me, these three battlegrounds that uh, whatever age and stage we're at in life we're always going to be engaging with these enemies that are going to want to um, not just surround us but actually can the battle is often within sin the world and the devil those are the things that james is going to talk about and if you remember from that previous passage when he talks about the wisdom from above he also talks about the wisdom from below the way that the culture uh, thinks and wants us to think and to behave and he says that that is Earthly, natural, and demonic you don't you remember that from James chapter three verse fifteen and you could review that and you can uh, look at these uh, the talks we put them afterwards on our site so that you can look at them again on YouTube but you're going to see the three same ugly enemies are attacking if you like in, in a different order here in in this next chapter and there were no chapters there were no numbers when James was writing this this, this was just meant to flow from one thing to the next thing, which is actually a good way to be able to read it through. And it's good that we get into study this together in context too, so you can kind of follow through the argument that he's making, but all these tests that we've been through in these different ways. And, um, and you can join our grow group with us online. You can, you can now connect into them. James chapter four, verse one says, "'What causes fights and quarrels among you? "'Don't they come from your desires "'that battle within you?' What he's doing there is he's starting with a question and then answer it himself with another question, isn't he? Um, he's talking about the, these wars and fights, and the, he says the problem is me. See, I want to blame everybody else, but he starts off by saying, first of all, look in the mirror. He talks about the mirror before. Um, the thing is, you know, so often we want to blame everybody else, and. and and um, you know we can be, do you know people, maybe you're one of them, maybe I'm one of them, who, who, uh, who looks around and wants to blame everybody else, but what if the problem's me? John Maxwell talks about something he calls the Bob Principle. Um, I love this, he says if Bob has problems with Fred and Bob has problems with Sue and Bob has problems with Jane and Bob has problems with Sam, Bob is usually the problem. Isn't that true? Um, James says, the first thing that causes problems for me is usually me and actually the, what he says it's my desires it's my passions the word that he uses there is it could be translated as now we have a world that tells us if you want to have a great life you better follow your passions you need to find out what you're passionate about and devote yourself to that and we love these insta posts that that encourage us to follow our dreams uh, be who you want to be do what you want get what you want that you can you should be able to have whatever you want Uh, as long as you want it hard enough just believe and you will achieve and um, live your best life now and share your best self with the world and, um, and, and, we, and Christians even take Bible verses completely out of context and add a nice font to them and a picture of the background, like of the beach or something, which basically mean that God has to give me what I want. Um, like he's the servant, not me. Now I love positive as much as anybody else. And, and uh, uh, but what often gets passed off as motivation or even sometimes as mental health advice is actually just narcissistic, self-focused, self-indulgent fluff. And in the end, it will either leave you entitled or disappointed because life doesn't always go that way, the way that I want it to go. And for most of us, actually, our problem is not that we don't have enough desires. Um, But the problem is that we have the wrong ones, because the ones that we want are focused on me. They're on my self-seeking pleasure. This is what the Bible calls this first battle would be the battle against me, against, against I, against sin. He says this is you desire verse 2 you set your mind on something that you want but you do not have it so you kill not literally perhaps but we can do it with a word we can do it with a we can do it with a little facebook post or we can do it with a you know a little barbed comment he says you covet but you cannot have what you want you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god it's like he's saying now, this isn't even a legitimate prayer as far as God is concerned, because when you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. The Greek word there is hedonize. It's what we get hedonism from. It's, it's that in, that's pursuit of, of a self-indulgent life. And, and the word here that we may not understand is covert. We don't use that word, um, but we Probably remember it, we can kind of hear it from the Ten Commandments, right along with a thou shalt not. Covert means, I want what you've got. I want what they've got. You see what somebody else has and you want it more than anything else. And the more you can't have it, the more you want it. And so you get frustrated. It starts to twist you up on the inside. If you could get it, it would be all right. It would have worked, you would have gone and got it. But it, now I've, I can't get what, what they have. And so it stops me enjoying what I've got. And, um, and I get conflicted on the inside and that can lead uh, to, to conflict with them. Um, conflicts in the workplace, in family, among friendships or ex-friends, because now I don't want to see them. I don't, don't want to, uh, you know, that's all ruined because they've got what I want and it's not fair. And and that just bubbles up and then it will explode because it will always escalate. And it will it, it will lead into animosity. It will lead into quarrels, wars, he says. Wars, what's the, the difference between a battle and a war is, it's a battle is over and done, but with a war, there's no truce, there's no surrender. It just keeps going on and on and on and on. But James says, listen, you're fighting the wrong enemy if you're fighting them. The problem's in you. You know, in James, he says, this is, this is flowing over and it's destroying the church. He says, people are starting to slander one another. They're judging one another at the end. He says, all these self-focused people are beginning to fight each other and he says you have these things that you want you have these desires but they're getting so big and and you don't you don't stop and and pray with god about it and talk with god about it all you want to pray is my will be done my will be done and it's like i've got this selfish motivation that leads to my desire i just want self-satisfaction but the problem with self-satisfaction is selfish desires are never satisfied they're always good it's like a fire that you, you it's going to keep on wanting more to be fed to be fed to be fed and uh, and it never goes out it just grows bigger the more i feed it and, and james is saying you know god is not like some genie in a bottle i rub the lamp and he must do what i say that's not how this prayer thing works he says and so often this is perhaps why my prayers have not been answered and I think about that because so many of them have been about me and what I think and what I want and and that he says that that me first way of greedy thinking and and it, it just ruins everything ruins me and it ruins relationships and so many people are wondering as we get ready to kind of move out of lockdown in different ways and, and shops are starting to open up, whether or not people are going to rush back to the shops or whether we're actually going to prefer to still walk in the park with the family in the sunshine or, or whether we're going to drag everybody off to the Trafford Centre as soon as it opens. And I think actually um, the answer to some extent is here, it won't be long um, because this isn't about having more or less to spend. Uh, in the bank, it's more about, it's about your heart, it's about covetousness and and how much we want to spend on my pleasures rather than God's priorities. Um, Tim Keller in his phenomenal book um, Counterfeit God says, most people don't even know when they're being greedy. He says this, some years ago I was doing a seven-part series uh, of talks on the seven deadly sins at a men's breakfast my wife Kathy said to me I'll bet that the week that you deal with greed you have the lowest attendance she was right people packed it out for lust and wrath and even for pride but nobody thinks that they are greedy Tim Keller says as a pastor I've had people come to me and confess that they struggle with almost every kind of sin almost I cannot recall anyone ever coming to me and saying, I spend too much money on myself. I think my greedy lust for money is harming my family, my soul and people around me. He says, greed hides itself from the victim. The money gods modus operandi includes blindness to your own heart. So what James is trying to do here is say, open our eyes, open our eyes, and he's saying that what you spend your time, your money, your life on, it's, it's fully a worship issue, it's really about God or idols, God is the owner, the giver, the supplier of everything, he said before he's the giver of every good and perfect gift, it comes down from him, he's the father of lights, and when I give back, generously gr- gratefully faithfully joyfully to him and spend my money in ways that show that I'm putting him first and live in that kind of that way that that's that's worship that's true worship um, and I'm, I'm showing that I'm, I'm putting God first and uh and and so I'm, I'm doing this selflessly and generously to the one who gave it all for me as like a privilege not as some kind of anybody having to make me do it now now imagine contrast that imagine i took the money out of um my house this week uh in fact no the money that zoe worked for specifically at the hospital would be nearer the mark imagine that because of my desires um i took that money uh and the, her money effectively and used it to take out another woman and and take her on dates and um, and buy flowers for her. What would you call that? Now, after over 30 years of marriage, I know what Zoe would call that. She would call it off. Uh, that would be the end. And she she told me that, that's it. And, uh, and that's actually quite good to know. And in some ways, it, the, the line's been drawn. And here, God says, that's how he feels about this too. When we become um, friends with the world, that's our next battleground. He says, you adulteresses, literally, um, because God is the husband. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world, cosmos there, he's talking about the world system, is hatred towards God. He says, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he causes to live in us envies intensely but he gives us more grace i love that hold on to the grace that is why scripture says god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble now we don't have to wrestle very hard intellectually or theologically to be able to figure out what james is trying to tell us here Uh, he couldn't be really more clear Uh, he's basically saying if if you have the option of relationship with God who, will, who wants to fulfil your desires, who, who uh, give you a love that will never fail, to fill every part of the emptiness inside of you, keep coming to him for what you need. And, and uh, those selfish desires, those things that, 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 that pull you away are making you turn your back on God and, and chase after him. And God calls that adultery when we do that. Romans chapter 1, it talks about this, it said, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, if you're looking at this, Romans chapter 1. Since what may be made known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse in other words everything in creation tells us it's it's there's a creator god made it verse 21 for although they knew god they neither glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened although they claimed to be wise Wisdom again, wisdom from below, not wisdom from above. They became fools and exchanged. They swapped the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles, all this stuff that people worship, all these man-made things. And then Paul goes on to describe like here, a downward spiral of where this leads. It gets pretty gory in graphic details. He describes some things. Now, some of these things, the world would say there's no problem with that and the reason the world says that is because the world is the second enemy but whatever the world says God says the root is the same and the end result is the same in fact he sums them all up and he says this is every kind of wickedness greed and depravity that's where it ends now James simply calls it adultery it's a love issue when when we love when I love this present world than the things of the world, more than the one who, who made them for me and wants to give me all kinds of things, all good things for my enjoyment. See, it breaks God's heart. Jesus wrote to a church in Revelation and, and he just said to them, you have forgotten. You've forgotten your first love. The Apostle John wrote in, uh, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 16, he says, don't love the world or anything in the world. He said, if anybody loves the world, love for the father is not in them for everything in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the father but from the world and then he says the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of god lives forever that's the question who we're gonna live for, what's gonna be our focus. It's a love issue. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 4, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And the word there is mammon. It's like this spiritual force that wants your allegiance. And uh, that's when we live our lives based upon money and what money says. Money makes the world go round for us. But uh, God says, no, I make your world go round. I want to bless you. And what if he comes along and he says, look, take some of the money I've given you and use it for this. Uh, I want to bless you by being a blessing. And you're like, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I can afford to do that, God. Uh, well, we're not asked to God if he can afford it. What that means is basically money is now the master, not God. And, and James here is really clearly saying, just don't be an adulteress in these areas. Um, Don't be an adulterer. Um, You've been bought with a price. God's saying, the Holy Spirit is yearning inside, saying, I love you, the Father loves you, the Saviour Jesus Christ loves you. And God wants you to be his and his alone. He's jealous for you and me. And he he wants to be the most important relationship in our lives, not because God's insecure, um, but because he actually knows that that will be best for us if we put him first in everything. But instead of humbling myself and turning to God and saying, yes, Lord, I need that grace. Lord, you're the one that I want. I, I, I look for the world instead to, to give me what I need. And I say, actually, God, I don't think you are enough for me um, because I want this and I want that. And, 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 and he, James is saying, no, no, don't become a friend of the world, because when you do that, you're actually picking sides. You, you be, you're choosing to live like you're an enemy of God. Um, when we start to chase after all these other things in the end it's going to pull us away into into that and that's such strong language isn't it wouldn't it you know to be an enemy of God and to be an adulterer uh, but he, this is what you call a DTR this is like a define the relationship um, question where I, I have to ask myself well am I living really like a friend of God um, isn't this a, a, actually a huge battleground for us all to to face Uh, but then the final battle the final enemy is the devil uh lucifer the bible calls him the adversary the 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 ruler of the prince of the power of the air all these different kinds of things gets called how do we deal with him well verse 7 tells us right here it says submit yourselves therefore to god resist the devil and he will flee from you submit to god resist the devil and he will flee is that it You mean I don't have to dress up like a priest and get the holy water out and a cross? No, no, just submit to God. That means arrange yourself under God, put yourself in the right place, saying, Lord, I want you to be first in my life. I submit to you. I'm going to stop fighting against you and and siding with the world. And now I resist the devil. I stand against against him with you as my savior. I oppose the devil. And then what does it say the devil will do? Does it say the devil will punish you? Does it say the devil will beat you down? Does it say the devil will put a, a terrible curse on you and put disease on you? No, it says he will flee. He, in fact, it says he shall flee. He has no will about it, there's no choice. Every demonic power shall flee if we live a life, if we submit ourselves and stand under God. And get, he will flee from who? From you. No, no, no. Why? Not because you beat him, but because God, Jesus, already defeated him on the cross 2,000 years ago. And I take my place in that victory and will beat him every time because he's an already defeated foe. I heard a guy called Les Brown tell a story that when he was a child, he used to run home from school and there was a bulldog, this old bulldog that would come out and bark and, and, and frighten him and he'd always run and cry. And he, one day his mum said, tomorrow I want you to stop. And and just stand there and and say, be quiet to that dog. And when he did, he saw that the dog had no teeth. (laughs) This defeated enemy wants to prowl around looking for someone to devour. But actually, the way that we beat him is actually found in, in in verses 7 to 10. And it's, it's that we resist him and we submit to God. And there's a few more things that actually, in fact, there's 10 imperatives. We talked about the 10 commandments before, but this is like the 10 imperatives that will help us to be able to to win. And maybe as as right where you are, you could submit to God right now. Perhaps you want to kneel, kneel down and and submit to God and just show that humble posture as we pray and uh, ask him, Lord, search my heart. What have I been coveting for? Am I just living like, um, like, I need everything else and and I don't actually, that you're not enough for me. And um, these verses here sum up saving faith and what it looks like so well. Verses seven to 10 in James 4 covers every area, really, of my my life and of my thoughts and, and it brings it all under subjection and under the rule of Jesus Christ. This is how we fight our battles and win. Maybe, like I said, you can get on your knees and pray with me as an attitude. Our posture is saying to God, I'm submitted to you. I'm going to read through these words and and invite us all, everybody watching, wherever you are, to to pray them to God and to know that you can connect with him. And and just to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Maybe we want to just say that. I'm sorry for the ways and the times in which I've coveted and wanted something and thought I know best and prayed me first prayers. When you've given me so much, you've loved me forever. Despite myself, you've, you've loved me and you've sent Jesus to be my saviour. And so now I want to arrange my life, my whole life under your Lordship. And I do, I do want to fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin and the world and the devil and remain faithful to you, Lord, no matter what for the rest of my life. Will you, will you pray this with me now? Just Holy Spirit, please come and let these words that we pray in from your word Reflect what's going on in our hearts and give us grace, Lord, we pray now to pray. Submit yourselves, it says, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just sense his presence with you now. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and weep. Oh, Lord, we need you so much let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness about the ways we've wanted so much that the world wants to give us but leaves us empty humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up just look up remember James says he gives us more grace isn't that wonderful however much I've messed up how many times he gives us more grace there's grace grace for you there's grace for me there's grace for that and it's like waves of grace and like the sea then another one comes another wave just of love and, and then another wave of grace and whatever i might think i i deserve or desire or want what i actually need is grace and he gives us more grace the empowering presence of god Lord, I need more of your grace, more of your presence, more of your power, more of your love, more of your joy, more grace, more Jesus. And he gives us more grace. And he gives you more grace. More grace, amazing grace. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.